You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Well, it's Father's Day, and you've got to start with a story on Father's Day, right? That's, that's what you do. And so I want to give you a story that I, I read this week. A man down on his luck went into a church which catered for the upper class. Spotting the man's dirt, it wasn't a church in Mount Eden, by the way, or out south or up north. It was somewhere else, uh, maybe that sounds like a bird and has a bay in it. I don't know. Uh, Spotting the man's dirty clothes, a deacon worried about the church image went over to the man and asked him, Sir, do you need help? The man said, I was praying and the Lord told me to come to this church. The deacon suggested that the man go pray some more and possibly he might get a different answer. The next Sunday, the man returned and the deacon asked, did you get a different answer? The man replied, yes, I did. I told the Lord that they didn't want me in that church and the Lord said, don't worry about it, son. I've been trying to get into that church for years. I haven't made it in yet either. How many thank God for our church where you don't have to believe to belong? You don't have to believe what we believe to be welcome here. We pray that every campus says wide open arms. Because here's the deal. On Father's Day, most men are competitive. Have you noticed that? Most men, not every man, although I've discovered that even the ones that aren't competitive on the surface, you dig a little bit, you can find some competition in there. You can discover something that they're competitive about. I want to give you a couple of pictures. When I first had uh, a child, I don't know about you, but it's something instinctive in a man that wants to throw your child in the air. Have you ever noticed that? And the younger you can throw them in the air, the more of a man you are. But I was walking around church once, throwing my child in the air. She was born preemie. She was about the size of my hand. I think she was about 10 weeks old. I'm like, this is good. We're, we're good. All the men are like, yeah. All the women are like, oh. This is what happens when you throw a child in the air. This is what the father sees on the left-hand side. That's what the child sees in the middle. And on the end, that's what the mother sees on the end right there. That, that's exactly what happened. Now I know what all the gasps were about when I was throwing my children in the air. There's another thing, there's a secret, ladies, that uh, this happens when you've left the room. And uh, we, we love our children, but you know that they're very moldable. Like they're, they're like plastic, their faces. This is what happens when you leave the room right here. The top is what happens when it's the mother. The bottom is what happens when it's the father. Come on, how many fathers have never done that to your children? Not one hand in the room. Point, point taken. Uh, I, lo- I love what Pastor Paul said this morning. He said this, ultimate fulfillment is the uh, outcome of alignment. Ultimate fulfillment is not in a bank account, is not in a career path, is not even in finding that special one. Ultimate fulfillment is found through the outcome of alignment, alignment to God's will, alignment to God's plan, alignment to what God has created you for. You know, I love it in the Psalms where it says, before you were even born a day, God had written every plan for every month for you. You're not by accident. There is fulfillment found when we align with the plan of God. But how many know you can take a snapshot of our lives on any given day and it doesn't look like a God plan? Just me up here. This is awesome. I'm sure north and south and online. I'm sure Melbourne are honest. But in here, come on. It reminds me of this. A few weeks ago, for those of you who don't know me, I have a son. His name is Judah. Judah is eight years old and he has an addiction. 
He has a Lego addiction. Like, it's a problem. We need to sort this out. We have so much Lego in our house that if the whole world goes to a one-world currency, I'm praying it's Lego because I've hit the big time. I'm good to go. But my son one day said, I'm going to go and build something in my room. So I walked past his room about 10 minutes later. He's got every single Lego box out. I couldn't see the floor. It was covered. There was no order to it. Like the reds weren't with the reds and the blues weren't with the blues and the four squares weren't with the four squares. It was driving my OCD. Maybe I've got the problem. It was driving. I'm getting it out. It's helping. It was driving me. Now I said, but what are you doing? You're not building anything. Look at the mess. He looks at me just like I'm looking at you. He goes, Dad, trust me. I've got a plan. It's under control. It's going to look awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Oftentimes I look at my life. Like, what is going on here? The blues aren't lined up. The reds aren't lined up. Nothing is happening the way I thought it would happen. But I reckon our father looks at our life and goes, keep listening to me. I've got it under control. By the end, it will look awesome. Because I've got every day written for you. I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church. It's a journey that every male has to go through. In fact, it's a journey that every person has to go through, but it's Father's Day, so we're going to talk to the males. Ladies, you can take notes because it's applicable to everyone. It's a journey that we all have to go through. It starts in Philippians 3 and verse 12. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, says this, Not that I have already attained or that I am already perfected. Do you know how much there freedom there is knowing that I'm not yet perfect? Come on, anyone ever have a high expectation on themselves that when you fail and when you mess up, that we beat ourselves up and the enemy wants to poke holes in it and go, see, you're not, you're not right. See, what sort of a Christian are you? But the Apostle Paul himself says, not that I have already attained or that I am already perfected. I've discovered that a relationship with Jesus Christ is not a destination, it's a journey. That he's okay with my mess. I love what Cy Rogers said all the time. He says this, God would rather have you messy than not have you at all. I gotta get used to the fact that I'm a work in progress. I love Phil Irons. Phil Irons, amazing. He works in our communications department here at Life and Phil Irons is wired. Uh, He's just very structured. He's an amazing, he's probably at our North Campus tonight. But Phil oversees a bunch of our Life TV projects and we have a catch up every couple of weeks and he brings into my office this massive sheet and he calls it a whip sheet. It's a work in progress sheet. And everyone who works for Phil is like, I know the sheet really well. But he walks in and everything we've talked about is on that sheet. And there's this little bar that moves along that says, okay, this month we've achieved this. And this month we've achieved this. And my personality, I don't know about you, my personality is if we've decided to do it, let's do it yesterday. I don't want the bar to be moved a little bit each month. I want to know it was wrong yesterday. It's right today. Let's just fix it. Feels like, stop. We're just moving the bar forward. All these things are a work in progress, moving towards their final destination. Look at me. 
Online, look at me. Every campus, look at me. You are a work in progress. Stop giving up on yourself every time you mess up or you take a step back. Listen, God is journeying with you. Not that I have already attained, but I am a work in progress. Verse 12, but I press on that I may lay a hold of which, uh, that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold for me. Now, there's a massive challenge in not getting stagnant in life. Are we still as passionate and are we still as committed to attain the very thing that Jesus put in front of us? Have you ever noticed that the longer it takes to attain something, the more dedicated decision is needed to stay engaged and involved. I, I, uh, I'm now 42 years old. I have been doing ministry for 23 years, including three years of Bible college. I've been married to my wife for 20 years in December, which uh, I can say very proudly in this crowd, at the 6 p.m. crowd, because 20 years is a long time in this crowd. You say that's the 840 crowd? You're like, man, you're just scratching the bucket, whippersnapper. You've got a long way to go. But I've been married 20 years in December. L- listen, listen. I now have a whole bunch of people coming to me and go, hey, talk to me. How do you, how do you stay in love for 20 years? Because my wife is at North at the moment. I'm more in love with her today than I was 20 years ago. She, she invests more into me and I am more appreciative of her today than I was 20 years ago. But can I tell you, that's a daily decision to press forward. Here's the deal. The truth is I give her daily reasons why not to be more in love with me today. You know that whole magic table thing? I invented it. She's an enabler. I'm telling you, she's an enabler. She just clears it and stuff. It's an enabler. But here's the deal. I give her reasons. And the truth is life gives us reasons. Just apart. Not because we've got it bad, but because... Compared to what I grew up in, I have it amazing. But I haven't yet attained everything that God has for me. And as long as there is more to attain, then let's live the life that the Apostle Paul lives, that we are designed for so much more. You know, about four years ago, Pastor Paul was diagnosed with a melanoma. Had to have a surgery and they cut, his, uh, cut him from, I think, the top of his ear down to about halfway through his neck and they pulled out this big melanoma. They thought that that cancer had got into the lymph nodes and there was a three-week period where he didn't know what his future would look like, whether it was a cancer-riddled body future or whether it was an all-clear future. There was three weeks and I've heard him speak about it so many times and I've watched him live through the fact that he, he would say, I hadn't got it all right to that point, but I had to be comfortable that I'd given life my best shot. And listen, you don't have to get it all right. Just give it your best shot. Don't give in and don't settle and don't lay back. What is it in this next 12 months, man? What is it in this next 12 months, dad, that we've settled for and we've thought, well, this is as good as it gets. I promise you, as long as there is blood in your veins and as long as there is air in your lungs, this is not as good as it gets. We can believe to push forward into all that he has for us. Verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward into those things which are ahead. 
You know, God understands men. One thing I do and I forget. I'm good with one thing and forgetting. I got those things down pat. Forget which is behind and reach forward into what God has for you. I've got a question. How much of your yesterday clouds your today and tomorrow? Because the enemy's plan is not for you to make a decision and uh, sorry, to make a, a poor decision and have it contained. The enemy's plan is for you and I to make a poor decision and then drag that poor decision into coming, coming weeks, months, and years. When I was in Bible college, I worked for a guy and he loved to fish. And he said to me, hey, I'm going away for a few days and they're going to service my boat. Can you take my boat down to the, uh, the, the marine mechanic and he's going to service it and then bring it home because I want to go out fishing when I get back. I said, no, yeah, no problem. So I took uh, said pastor's boat down to the marine mechanic and as I was backing the boat in, I hear this crunch. I get out and look and I've backed the prop of the motor into a little pole that was supposed to stop people parking there and snapped one of the propeller blades clean off. I thought, I'm a smart man. There's five days. I'll go and get it welded, fix it, and he'll never know the difference. Takes his boat out and he's like, hey, did anything happen to my boat while I was gone? I'm like, man, what do you got, like a sixth sense or something? So I confessed to him, not only did I crash your boat, I tried to hide it all so you never knew. Can I tell you, it took me about two and a half years to convince myself that this man would trust me again. There is a lot of men in our world today, possibly sitting in these services. And you're trying to convince yourself that that broken trust has disqualified you from doing something in God when God doesn't disqualify you. Those around you don't disqualify you. But do what the Apostle Paul says. I leave the past in the past and I press on towards all that God has for you. You are not your past. Leave it in the past. Verse 14, I press towards the goal. The prize, upward, the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I press toward. Where is your press? Is it towards the things of God or is it on the back foot? Where is the lean-in for what God has for you as a man? You know, today we're going to talk about a few qualities of what it means to be a man and a woman. Uh, but we're going to talk about what, what it means. Firstly, we have a responsibility to lead. Let's live an example for others to follow. You know what? Doing life uh, for a little while now, 20 years in ministry, 20 years, came from a bit, bit of a messy background and uh, have worked through some stuff. I love the fact that my breakthrough can be inspiration for others that they can break through. And that's the pattern of the kingdom. God wants to use your breakthrough to inspire someone else. God wants to use your story to fuel someone else. Let's lead into everything God has for us. You know that God said to Adam, you name the animals. He didn't say it to Eve. Sorry, ladies. You weren't even created yet. Hello, this isn't a shot at women, but God said to Adam, you name the animals. Do you know that there is an innate call on men to lead? Friend, uh, husband, lead your wife. Here's what leading your wife means. If there is a tough conversation, you step into it. 
Don't wait for her to bring it up. Oh, honey, I think we need to talk about. No, 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 no. If there is something going on in the homes that needs to be discussed, you lead and step into the conversation so that together you can figure out what the best way forward is. Leadership is not dictatorial, arbitrary, let's go communist. It's about I will make the decision to lead our family into the conversations that need to be had. I will be the one that leads it there. So let's lead. We, we, have, a, we have a requirement to lead. Secondly, we have a responsibility to honour. We live to strengthen others before ourselves. Philippians 2 says, not that I have already attained or that I am already perfected. You know, godly leadership supports others. You're not created to be an island and do this thing on your own. Brene Brown says this, vulnerability is the most accurate measurement of courage. Vulnerability is the most accurate measurement of courage. Pastor Ben, up at North, why don't you tell us a little bit about honour and what it means to you in your life? Yeah, hey, Pastor Scott, good to be connecting with everyone tonight. Um, I actually want to start, first of all, by honouring you. Um, Five and a half years ago, I was not in a great space personally and was trying to get by my own strength and you took time out of a busy schedule in leading a family and trying to do things differently from how you were brought up, uh, to take time out to speak into me, to cheer me on, uh, to make the most of it. And I just think every single person needs a leader, needs a pastor, needs a group leader, needs a mentor, needs a parent, needs someone like you who sees the best in people. So I wanted to honour you tonight on behalf of our entire church for all you do. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. Deliberately didn't tell you about that earlier, just so I could sneak that in. Um, hey, look, I think honour is so important. Uh, for me, there's three lessons I've learned about honour since I was a ratty teenager. It was amazing when I was a teenager. I thought I knew it all. I was like, man, these parents of mine, they've really like, lost their way since I was a kid. Like, they're impatient. Like, they don't get things. And it was amazing how when I became an adult and started realising what the responsibility of a parent was, how much more wise and how much more patient they were. Um, and I learned three things over that period. Number one... Honour is not flattery. Honour is not about uh, trying to basically get in someone's good books, but it's calling out what they do and what they, uh, what they do and who they are. It actually recognises what that person carries. It doesn't mean you expect them to be perfect if you see what they have. Uh, second thing is honour is not over-familiar. Jesus said a prophet is not without honour except in his hometown and in his own home. Uh, it's really easy for over-familiarity to creep in and to cause us to dishonour people because we see the fact that they're human and imperfect. Um, but honour rises above that and recognises what is being done really well. Uh, and the third thing is it's not quite the Bible for it's from something that's pretty good, which is the movie Gladiator. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's Father's Day, when else, right? Uh, there's a line in the movie Gladiator where they keep saying strength and honour. Uh, and honour is not weakness. It takes a strong person who isn't trying to compete isn't trying to prove himself, isn't trying to be better than other people to honour someone else and say, hey, you know what? I acknowledge what you do and I appreciate it. And I think if we can all take that challenge this week uh, to realise that honour is not weakness, but honour is strength and to honour the people around us, as Pastor Paul says, honour up, honour down, honour all around, then our world will be better for it. So good. Thank you, Ben. So let's make some decisions. Let's lead. Let's be the ones that step into the tough conversations. Come on, let's honour. Let's prefer someone else. Let's use who we are to add value to someone else. And thirdly, we have a responsibility to believe. Come on, we are called to live beyond the status quo. We are called to 
break the confines of what normal is. We have a God who is creative and he is not done creating. He wants to use you to create something that the world has never seen. A new pathway, a new a new whatever area of expertise you're in, God wants to use you. Philippians 3.14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call made in Christ Jesus. I love what Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that in all things, They work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Not circumstance and not challenge. Pastor Luke, out south, what does believe mean for you? Yeah, well, to me, believing in something is having a confident trust in it and being able to give your best to it. I, I never forget the moment I found out I was going to be a dad for the first time. And, you know, I've been through this process three times now, and I'm praying that that stops, but Melissa wants another one, so we'll see how we go. But, you know, I never forget growing up in a great family, having great parents. Hi, Mum. Hi, Dad. Nice to see you. But I, I, I was scared to the point of my own ability because I'd never done it before. I wasn't qualified to be a parent. And I never forget the 20-week scan when I found out not only was it a child in there, but it was a girl. I'm now really on the back foot going, I don't know how I'm going to raise a girl. I've never done this before. What, what, what if I make a mistake? What, what if it doesn't work out? And all of these natural questions started to, I guess, attack my own personal self to the point where I wasn't in a place of belief in myself that I could do it. And I'll never forget in that moment and in those moments where I felt like God tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, look, you need to understand, not only did I create you, but I created this little life. And look around you because you're still alive and you've made it. And look at the other people that are doing parenting. They're, they're making it and you're going to be okay because I'm with you. I'm for you. And belief started to rise, but I didn't just need the affirmation of my heavenly father. I needed people around my life that caused me to believe in myself. You see, I had to had to make sure I didn't hang around parents. All they said was, man, it sucks. Like, it's tough work. (laughs) It's hard work. But be around people that had done parenting for a while and had said to me, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's tough times, but it is the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life. And, you know, you've got it. You got it. You'll be great. You'll be great. No one has a class on parenting and they're the expert. They, They learn through the journey of doing those classes and being around people and beliefs started to rise on the inside of me. And I think true belief comes from a conviction and trusting in the unknown and actually having the ability to give your best to it, whatever that looks like. Not perfection, but your very best. And I'll leave you with this thought because I I was encouraged by this quote that got me thinking, I'm a doer by nature, so I I like to achieve in life. And I I I saw this quote and it greatly encouraged me to believe in myself when it came to parenting. It said this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. So good. So good. So good. You know, I took some time this week to write down who are the heroes in my life? Melbourne, online, every campus, I want to encourage you just to think through Who are the heroes in your life? And when I looked at the list, it wasn't about what they'd done. Now, there are a bunch of people who I admire for what they've done. 
sports people, people who have achieved in certain areas. I admire them. But who are the heroes, the ones I want to be like? And can I tell you, every one of them came down to these qualities. It wasn't the size of their bank account. I admire big bank accounts, trust me. It wasn't the fact that they had status and celebrity. But it was ones that were able to lead and navigate through tough times. It was people who preferred others to themselves. Let's never get used to who God has given us as senior pastors. Because when he goes into other environments, when Pastor Marie goes into other environments, they are loved and adored and invited back, not just because of the quality of their teaching, although that is world class, but because everywhere they go, whether it's someone on a parking lot or whether it's the senior pastor of the church, our senior pastors prefer and honour and give value to other people. They bring a belief with them. When they walk into a room, the atmosphere changes, not just because of what they've done, but because of what they carry. Church, is God asking us to lead and step into something? I reckon there are people in our church and God's asking you to be a group leader, to lead others into the relationship with God that you have. Maybe there's people in here and you owe something to someone. Honour adds value. It contributes value. We can add value to someone by words, just writing words. You know, my daughter this afternoon, she's 17 years old. She's at North. She texted me. She said, Dad, you're going to be amazing tonight. You got this. Can I? There is nothing more valuable than that. You know that there is someone who you can text and it'll change their day. And then believe. Yeah, but you don't know my past. No, I don't know your past. But my Bible says that while we were in our worst state, Jesus came to buy a way back into relationship with the Father. Friend, believe for a better day. You may be at the, the lowest of lows. You've got a whole church in your corner. Online, you've got a whole church in your corner believing that the, that the promise of God will be evident in your life and become yes and amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.